You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Born apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie, and this episode is hosted by Ryan and Janine. In our very first segment, we bring you Truth Teller Productions. We have the team behind that, which includes friend to the show, Robin Hood, a.k.a. Miriam A. Hyman, who you've probably seen on this little show called The Shy on Showtime, who is the CEO of Truth Teller Productions. And along with Miriam, she brings over East O, who also is known as Chris Herbie, and also Air Jordan, also known as Jordan Terrell Walker. East O is an actor, music producer, songwriter, and creative who recently starred in an off-Broadway Pulitzer Prize winning play, Fat Ham at the Public Theater in New York City. Air Jordan is also a lyricist, songwriter, and producer, and he's been writing and making beats since he was a young kid, working on various Chicagoland artists and is known for his witty bars. And finally, to round this out, our CEO, Robin Hood, a.k.a. Miriam A. Hyman. She is a classically trained actress and hip-hop recording artist. And of course, you probably know her best on The Shy. She's also been seen in other shows such as Grey's Anatomy, NCIS, Blue Bloods, The Rookie, Blindspot, and so, so much more. So you will not want to miss this first segment. In our second segment, Janine hosts with the creators behind the film called God's Country, which made its debut at Sundance this year. The film stars Tandaway Newton and actually opened in theaters in September on the 16th, so you can still catch it in theaters now. The podcast interview features co-writers Shay Ogbana and Julian Higgins, and they talk about their writing process on collaborating on the racially charged content behind this film. Julian Higgins also directed the film. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this fun-filled episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast, featuring our first segment with Truth Teller Productions and our second segment with the writers and director of the film God's Country. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and today is all about hip-hop for this episode. You know, if you get the right lyricists, the right beats, you know, you get a little truth coming out of your artists, right? And it kind of pulls something out of you, too. So, you know, you don't have to take my word for it. I got the experts on this episode with me today. I'm talking about Truth Teller Productions. I got the CEO, Miriam A. Hyman, a.k.a. Robin Hood, a.k.a. Dre, because you know I'm a shy, uh, shy fan. And she's doing something else, too, I'm going to get into in a minute. But I got to I gotta round it out real quick. Um, and then we got East O. He's bringing a little, you know, theater, a little touch of theater to it. Actor, songwriter, lead producer for Truth Teller Productions. 
And then I'm trying to figure out what throne he's ascending to. We got Air Jordan, lyricist, songwriter, producer. So this is gonna be dope. I'm excited. Truth Theater Productions, get into it if you don't already know. How are you guys doing? Thanks for joining me. Peace, sis. What's good? Yeah. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Thank you. So I'm already excited. But you know, I gotta get to these other projects though first. Like we're getting into Truth Teller Productions, but these guys hustle, which I'm which is why I love talking to them because you gotta stay on the grind. You can't just do one thing these days. So you gotta keep it moving. So um Miriam, I'm gonna go to you first because we gotta talk about Power Book uh four, the fours. Now we ain't dropping no dates because ain't nobody trying to get in trouble. But I just want you to talk about like when you got the call, like how excited were you? I mean, I was hella excited. And first, let me just say thank you for having the team on. And that was like the best introduction like yeah. I think I've ever yeah, heard so dope. far. <laughs> you probably might have to get you in the booth. Hey, um, I'm ready. Maybe. I don't know. Y'all experts. I don't, I don't know if I'm ready, too ready for that. <laughs> right. So, yeah, as you mentioned, um, I'm currently shooting Power Book 4 Force mm -hmm. in Chicago right now. You know, we focus that, that focusing on Tommy Egan. And I was hella excited when I got the call. I was first introduced um, in the first season in the finale episode, and I'm introduced as um, the U.S. attorney, Stacey Marks. So nice. uh, the, the, the AUSA at the time, I was the assistant U.S. attorney. So, mm. you know, your, your girl made a little bit of a leap from, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the finale of season one to, you know, the uh, premiere of season two. So. Yeah, as you said, you know, we can't drop dates just yet, but um, yeah, y'all get ready to meet, you know, U.S. Attorney Stacey Marks. I'm coming for him. Nice. I, you know, I love how Power Book is taking off. And we already we already know you coming with it. We ready for the faces and everything because Dre always turns it up in the shot. So I can't wait for the, the second part of that to see what's going to go down. So that's going to be cool. cool. Absolutely. And you know me, I'm all about versatility. So, you know, I think you'll definitely, you know, get those hints of me, but it's it's about pushing the versatility with this. So Stacey's very different from Dre. So I'm very mm -hmm. excited to see how people, you know, receive her um, and everything. But yeah, it's been both that, you know, I shoot both in Chicago. So it's been so amazing nice. being yeah, able yeah. to go back and forth. You know, it's on the same lot, you know. Um, oh, that's and, dope. And okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm passing one, you know, one studio to get to the next one, <laughs> vice mm -hmm. versa. So, you know, God is good for sure. And, you know, speaking of God is good and you guys just keep the blessings going and keep it moving. Uh, Easto, you got to talk about Fat Ham. You got the theater that you bring into these lyrics, to these bars. Talk to us about it. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I just got done doing Fat Ham at the public, um, acting alongside an amazing cast. Uh, Fat Ham by James Imes, amazing Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. Yes, director sir. Naheem Ali, joint co-pro with the National Black Theater. So y'all need to, you know, tap in with them and get on that. But yeah, mm -hmm. you know, it's just been in just an eventful summer you know i ain't really had no break in between i've been going since april so you know had that nice extended run got a chance to uh sold out every single performance people came yeah y'all y'all extended a couple times right four times you okay, know i don't want to you know i don't want to say <laughs> okay, four okay. times but uh <laughs> you know it's just been an amazing 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 experience just to you know be a part of a piece that was so you know, monumental in the American theater about black joy, about black Afrofuturism, about, you know, how we need to love on one another, a play that's not centered or rooted in black trauma, but just black love and black joy. It was an amazing ride. Yeah, yeah he killed it too. I, I, yeah, I'm just gonna say I flew in to see him and he definitely did his thing. Like, he's, mm, congrats, yo, like, that's dope. That's yeah, dope. It, was, it was heavy. <laughs> congrats, congrats, congrats. <laughs> 
Yeah, anytime it's black love, that's dope. You know, because you don't want to hear that struggle story all the time. And there's so much going on in the world. So just like a step exactly. for just a little bit. It's just, it's just cool. So you know what, Air Jordan, I'm coming back to you. Cause I know you got mm-hmm. the music, the project releases, but we got to come back. Cause I got to do a, I got to do another intro here talking about true teleproduction. So we know you got something cooking in there. Um, oh yeah, yeah but, absolutely. <laughs> Miriam, talk <laughs> about, okay. Being a CEO, right. Cause I talked to you, you know, way back, it's been a minute now, you know, when you've been, you know, when you were first starting a little bit of hustle um, right. and you know, we got EP truth teller. I was talking to you about, I was bumping Kung Pao chicken too much. And I was talking <laughs> to you about that. And you were like, Let's talk about, you know, the digital space, right? How artists can have so much ownership over their stuff. And, you know, and then I'm turning around, I'm looking, we got True Teleproduction. So tell us about like, tell us like that journey for you and, and, you know, stepping into that and, you know, owning, having your own, you know, you guys having your own say over your projects. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about out the mud, like it's real, um, you know, when, when East and I met, we were like in the process of auditioning for, you know, graduate schools and, he um, went to NYU, I went to Yale. So we were also on the educational hustle too. Um, mm, yeah. And then in terms of just honing our craft as, as, as actors individually. So anyway, we kind of like linked up and we started like, you know, sharing material back and forth, you know, lyrics. And then of course he gained his interest um, in making beats and everything. And so it became a thing of, well, why do we have to continue to utilize pay for other beats you know this is something that you're interested in and something that you're like capable of and like it's super dope so why not we utilize the talents that we have in-house so that has just continued to build and build and grow um of course you know we have um having Jordan who's now a part of the team um and we work with a lot of other artists as well so whether it's producing beats you know truth teleproductions uh executive producing projects writing you know for other artists we just we come from a very collaborative mind state and and mm-hmm. the ensemble mentality you know sort of energy and so it's about everybody has something to contribute to bring to the table and so well, if you got the knives well I got the forks you know Jordan got the turkey you know <laughs> you know what I mean you know so it's it's that type of thing where everybody's bringing something you know to the table and we can all you know, benefit, but learn from each other, grow with one another. And as you mentioned before, with the digital space, a lot of artists, I think, you know, we have to tap into the fact that we do have power. You know, mm. um, I think we we give it away so often, you know, oh, well, we can't do this unless we have this and oh, we can't do. And I understand that most definitely to a certain extent, like, don't get it twisted. I haven't always been on TV shows and, you know, doing films and everything like it's it's been a hustle, you know, from the gate. And a lot of people have known me from these most recent shows, but I, I did Law and Order, you know, I did mm-hmm. The Wire, I did, <laughs> you know what I mean? So right, yeah, absolutely. Been, been out there. And so you just start and promoted other artists, you know, musical artists. I was a part of a street team, you know, back in Philly where I grew up. And I said, you know, it's time to stop focusing on helping other artists grow and help myself as an artist grow. Mm-hmm. And so when I was able to do that, I was able to, establish, you know, all of these goals, you know, <laughs> oh, my cheetah, call me hell, do side at the 20, see my hills, got a lot of tools in my box called skills, robbing for the hood, can y'all keep it real, anyway, that's a little something that we're working hey, on right now, nice. East yeah. did this, yeah, East did this crazy beat, but we, we write from our realities, we write from our truths, and so me mm-hmm. just speaking about it right now, I immediately thought of that hook, you know, um, so, you know, we can, of course, break all of those things down, but it's just realizing 
you know, that we do have more power and control and the creativity lies within us. So instead of going out, we don't have to treat ourselves like an island, like invite people on that shit, like come through. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Our island is like the lab, you know? We got a track called Lab Rats, you know, they East produce. And so it's just, it's, it's just crazy because we literally, literally went from, I would write two lines and then I would text it to him. This is like back when I was still living in New York, you know, and then he would write back two, two lines and then send it to me. And we would go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it got to the point where it was like, yo, we got to really retain some of this stuff. And mm-hmm. like, yeah. and I was getting instrumental beats, you know, your Swiss beats, you know, stuff like that, that people, you know, listening to like Jada Kiss and just jumping on a track, you know? And I mean, yeah, it's like one thing just led to another East. You could totally, please bro, jump in, you know, in terms of the beats. Cause that's like a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> a whole other yeah. piece that, that, that he has conquered. So. I mean, yeah, I just yeah, remember yeah, listening yeah. to a. I remember listening to the first EP uh, for Hire that you had, and uh, listening to just the myriad of producers you had on there, just being like, "I could do this. Like, I yeah. can make something where we don't have to keep. You don't have to keep breaking your your pockets." Because at the time, I remember you were paying a lot of money for the beats, and then you had to go into the studio. You got to pay for studio time. You got to pay the everything, engineer, everything. engineer, right? Mix, I mean, master, everything. Everything's coming out of your own pocket. And I was. I just felt like, man, I can really. I, I, I don't just want to be, you know, uh, the the hype man or lyricist on here. Like, I really want to have sound out there. I want to be contributing to, to the to the soundscape and to the landscape of what TGP really is. So I remember after hearing that first EP, I got really inspired. And I remember, you know, I jumped on my little garage band, made my first beat, you know, wasn't really that good, but that's okay, because that's where we started from. Right, and, you know, like, yeah. it's yeah, it is. At it. and then from there, they made another one. 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 And then, you know, I think one of the the first really big ones that, you know, Hood got on was uh was Black Power. Um mm-hmm. yeah. and then after that one, it was just like, all right, boom, drip flow, okay, boom, you know, kamikaze, okay, boom. We just started knocking them out, then vibing, you know, and then that's mm-hmm. that's when I feel like we're really in the stratosphere now. Absolutely. And then that's that's a beautiful segue to Jordan, because that's when um, so I'll just give you a little bit of history. But um, Jordan and I are cousins, our mothers, our sisters. And um, so we didn't necessarily our, our parents are both our, our mothers are both from Philadelphia. And I grew up in Philly. But we didn't but, grow up together. Right. Jordan moved. Okay. Jordan was grew up in Chicago because his mother mm-hmm. moved to Chicago before she had him. So anyway, we actually have been separated, you know, quite a bit. We see each other at holidays, but when I booked the shy, it kind of rekindled that bond a bit more. And we were able to really start looking at what each other was doing. And I had heard some of his stuff before, but, you know, started from the bottom. Now we're here. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, we all like, Right. I, yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm going to chime in on that a little bit. I think yeah, for you, yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, also, I had, you know, I had my own thing kind of going on out here. And I was working in a studio um, downtown and she seen that and we kind of connected through that, too, because it was like she was trying to do music. She was looking for a good studio home in Chicago. I'm a native of Chicago, so I know some good places here. And uh, we actually ended up linking up at the spaceship with um, Josh K's studio, which from then led to her meeting him. And that was a, a connection in itself. So that was pretty nice. And, you know, together we, you know, we started forming TTP as a whole. 
Well, Jordan, I was going to stick with you a little bit here because I did see, I saw that cool uh, clip you put on IG where you were showing like the software, you kind of mixing like working with some kind of beat or something like that. And I thought it was cool. What like, can you give us like a little, you know, behind the scenes, like where do you start when you're trying to think of a beat for, for like, for a song? Like if you think, um, uh, you know, some of you guys' recent tracks you're working on, like Philly to Shy or something. For me, it can be well, anything. Um, I was just gonna say, but, East did the beat for Philly to shy. Okay, okay, um, yeah, okay. Jordan, yeah, Jordan, yeah. Jordan did the Jordan did some beats for some new joints that are become that are gonna be coming ah, out. But nice. all the most okay, recent okay. stuff you've heard, yeah, that's that's East. But he can, of course, talk to you about what the process is because he does have some some fire in the vault for sure. All right, cool. We'll get back to East. All right, Jordan, tell us about tell us about some of the newer stuff. Um, yeah, so for me. The process can start anywhere. I could be like at a store and hear a song that I love and it might mm -hmm. stick on my mind for a while and I might sample that. It could be like, it might be um, something that I pulled deep from when I was younger, like tunes that I heard when I was younger or melodies I had in my head and start from there. I might start from drums. It really, it's really no telling with that. Yeah. But um, I usually, no matter where I start, I usually have a good idea of where I'm headed and where I want but how I want it to sound when it's completed. I know for um, me personally, it yeah, kind of just, yeah. for me personally, it kind of just depends on, um, I'm really inspired by like, what's already out in the world already. So if I'm listening to a beat and I'm like, oh man, I really love this drum pattern or whatever, I'll go back to, you know, my thing and I'll make a drum pattern that's similar to that. Or if, you know, I might listen to Kendrick's entire album and be like, oh man, I really love that horn section. Let me go like try and imitate that horn section. And then by imitating that section, I've come up with my own like little personal thing. But it kind of just all depends. I mean, with vibing, that felt like, oh, I really just want to make something that I wanted to have like a little guitar sample in the in the intro. So I found a little guitar sample I was playing with. And then I was like, okay, this beat feels a little bit more boom bap, a little bit more West Coast. So I kind of leaned into that and um was surprised that that was the beat that a lot of people from Scotty to Hood to Jordan was like, yo, it's fire, yo, this thing is lit. I thought, oh, okay, I thought it was kind of mid, but like hearing them all on it, it really took off. But I got, when uh, Hood mentioned Lab Rats earlier, I mean, I was in a really melodic piano phase. So I made that beat in GarageBand. I, I did my little chords, found the piano, did the chords. Then I found the bass, then I found the little bell section, but every single thing on that beat is me. I'm playing every single instrument. So um, it kind of just depends, you know, where, where I feel like my creativity, my genius is taking me that day. And let yeah, me just say, you know, when it, when, it, when it comes to me, you know, uh, uh, making the beats, you know, I like <laughs> to, um, it, comes, it comes from the, the, the <laughs> dance moves, you know, if the beat doesn't right, right. move, you know. <laughs> right, the um, real. I mean, that's yeah. that. I feel like that's the biggest key. Like the beat, you yeah, gotta move. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it's right. so spiritual. And like you said, uh, with vibing, you never really know what beat, it, who's gonna take to what beat. We all have different perspectives, and you might like what you said. You might have felt like, oh, this beat is cool, but everybody took to it like, oh, it's amazing. Now you're like, wow, this beat is vibing, but it's right. hard, man. It's hard. It's got the boom bap sound for sure. And then speaking of vibing, I mean, that's another. Um, it's interesting that you said mid east because we have Scotty ATL who's featured on the track. He's from he's actually was born in Chicago, but he, you know, has primarily been in Atlanta. So, you know, he reps oh, Atlanta never knew hard. That. Yeah. Never knew that. Yeah, you know, you gotta do your research. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jordan is from Chicago, East is from East Oakland. Um okay. he's on and now he's on the east side, you know, he's in New York, uh -huh. and then I'm from Philly. 
but now I'm on the West side, you know, so I'm, I'm in LA primarily when I'm not shooting in Chicago. So anyway, we all came together in the studio one day and created that. He sent me the track. I was vibing to it, sent it to Jordan. Jordan wrote a crazy, he wrote that hook. And then um, Scotty came to the studio and met with us and like wrote his verse while I was recording my verse, you know, in the studio. So it, those the processes- East Coast, West Coast, Midwest and, and down South. All exactly. Nice. Exactly. So again, just going back to that uh, ensemble mentality. But yeah, I, y'all keep this ensemble mentality going in this interview. Because look, I want to get some more into the, some of the songs. Um, you know, talk about Philly the Shy back, and you guys kind of break it down for us. Because I love to see how artists kind of work this out, and and you know where the inspiration comes from for these songs. Because we over here jamming to the beat, but you know it's a lot that go, a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes, and just coming up with the story. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, you we're all lyricists. Um, for sure, Philly Shy, by, by all means. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying, well, yeah, like she said, we're all lyricists. And, uh, you know, me being from Chicago, her being from Philadelphia, obviously, uh-huh. us being cousins, but coming from different backgrounds, we kind of um, we kind of wanted to just give the world a little bit of history between us and, like, how we're both from different places, but we grew up together and we rock with each other hard. So, you know, I was like, you know, you're from Philly. I'm from Chicago. What are some things in Philly or some places in Chicago that are monumental and just just also similar things that you may go through? Like you may be in a hood in Philly or be in a hood in Chicago and have a similar experience. And we realized that a lot of the inner city workings are the same. So we kind of went off of that um, base and the creation was made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me and Robin each other hood trying to be great. I love that line. Like I love how you guys reverse that line and just throw it in each time. But go ahead, go ahead, uh, Mary. What were you gonna say? Oh yeah, definitely. I was just gonna say, um, so anyway, you know, our, our bars are always all three of us, you know, really kind of just witty, very playful. Um, and so again, I just get really inspired by these beats, or sometimes I already have lyrics and then it's like, oh, wait a minute. East will send me like a beat package, like 10 tracks, and and I'll be rocking with all of them, but some of them will fit, you know, even more than, you know, some others based upon like the project we're working on. Mm, So with Philly the Shy, that was on the fourth quarter, um, the most recent EP that I released before Vibin'. And so East were like, okay, we're going to do this project together. Um, I'll be the main writer. He'll be, you know, main producer. Truth Teller Productions will executive produce the whole project. So we started with, we had Penthouse which is featured on the shot season four. Mm-hmm. And so I was staying in my first penthouse in Chicago. <laughs> and so again, just going back to the, the, the reality, it's like in Philly, you know, it's P H I L L double, you know, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, you know, so I'm constantly hearing the P H and then now I'm on this elevator and I'm on the top floor. And every time I get off or get on the elevator, I'm pressing P H and everybody, sees me and I'm the only black person in the building and they're like, yeah. oh, the views must be nice. And I'm like, hell yeah, <laughs> God is good. You know, so right. the, the song, it, yeah. yeah, the song came out of the reality. So even when we shot the video, mm-hmm. we're literally in the penthouse that I stayed in, you know, and nice. um, yeah. that's of course available on YouTube. All the music that we're mentioning is all available, you know, except for the new, new, but all the uh, <laughs> music is currently available. It. Yeah, you know, on Amazon, iTunes, Apple Music, everywhere. So you can definitely oh, go. Oh, yeah, I got my Apple Music up right that. now. I'm telling y'all, it's on here. Go check it out. A- exactly, exactly. So um, 
yeah, he, he, you know, sent me the beat. The beat was crazy. I was inspired by my circumstances. Next thing you know, we're, he, we, you know we bring him out. He's in the studio with me in a spaceship. After that, we end up shooting a video. Like, we just, we kind of, it's like, yeah, I go ahead. Say, that was another one that was made just so into my, I feel like, I think I made that beat in like 45 minutes, I want to say. 50 what? Minutes. Oh pay, pay house or and again, I didn't think that beat, it, the 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 Damn. bass and the drum pattern was so irregular to me when I made it. I was like, oh, it doesn't really sound like anything that's mainstream right now. I don't, I don't know if who's going to mess with it. And then I, you know, I came out to Chicago. She flew me out and she was like, I'm doing this one. I was like, you doing PH? And then I said, when, I'm in know, that penthouse now. When she came <laughs> out, must got that COVID because I'm boss. I was like, oh, this shit uh, is crazy. Said, yeah, oh, it, was, it was dope. going on already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to add in, I'm going to throw in back too, because, you know, back on my groove, that was another beat that, that was dope. Um, Isto, you had a, you had some bars in this one too. Um, how, how you guys walk us through that a little bit. I'm not going to give them too much because I want them to go and, and subscribe and download these EPs. So I'm going I'm to I'm end it with back. I know that's right. They ain't getting no that's live show one today. Of my favorite <laughs> no, that was um, I believe uh, I believe we had a, a a a different feature on that track. So I wasn't originally. I wasn't even slated to be on that. Oh, um, exactly. yeah, yeah, we had we a had different edit. artist mm -hmm. on that, and you know, through different circumstances, situations, things fell through. So Hill was like, "Yo, I need somebody on here. You got the bars and everything. So you know, I need you on this." And I was like, "Okay." So it's going back and forth, back and forth. We're just thinking about, you know, what are the milestones that we've accomplished so far at TTP and everything. And, you know, it just came down to just, you know, truth tellers on that move track. This I still got a blue groove back. Blue jeans full of blue. Right. Like, boom, blue dream. That's my new snack. And it was just Ooh, like, you know. Don't give it too much. It's not too much. <laughs> they like, they already like, okay, let me see what song. Let me move down the playlist. <laughs> Headbanging at the new bins. We it's hey. all facts over here. It's all facts. It's just so it's the effortless part for me. Like y'all just sitting over here, like this is just Sunday afternoon. All of us are trying to like write down our lyrics. Let's get it together. What beat we got? I, I just love it. I just love how I just free. Yeah, it's long. And let me tell you something. We're all, we're, we're all in different time zones, you know, but going by the same clock, and it's go time. You know, nice. we know what it yeah. is. So we we have to understand. Um what is what is at stake and and pretty much like it's up to us to make this mm -hmm. thing continue to happen and like you know he said we had another artist that that situation fell through it's like okay who's who's ready you know what I mean who, who's gonna be the Scotty you know yep. Yep. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and, and so it was it was that type of a thing where he was just on on board and so yeah now you got double credits you on here as a writer you know as a lyricist and then you turn around and made the beat that's crazy. So yeah. um, we're not gonna let nothing stop us. You know, we don't we don't believe in that. And back on my groove was basically saying we had like this little moment, but I'm back on my groove. And seriously, I was like, this shit make you wanna move. Like, yeah. and it ended up being a lyrics because the beat was making me do that. I tell you, when the beat, I can't, I can't, you know, control you gotta my follow body. The beat. It just, yeah, you gotta yeah, follow the beat. It just, yeah, it just does what it does, you know. So. You know, usually don't get me in too much trouble, but you know, I uh, definitely <laughs> I feel the beat and I go with it. But Beck um, is one of those, and like I said, he you know he came he came right through. So boom. 
Yeah, y'all got to check that out. Yeah, y'all got to check that out. Plug it up again for them. Tell them where they can follow you guys at, you know, so we can see what's what's new and what's next. Um, Jordan, if you want to kind of hint, I don't want to give them too much because I want them to go up there and, and subscribe and buy. But if you want to kind of hint at something you got coming up, let us know. Um, and then I got another, I got a little nerd question I'm going to wrap everything up with. So I'm going to let y'all plug it up. Plug it up and tell them where to find everything. So, yeah, I'll just say um, definitely um, hit us up on IG, Truth Teller Productions. It sounds exactly, you know, spelled exactly how it sounds. Um, and also you can hit me up, Robin Hood Music. That's Robin with a Y on IG. Um, East, let them know. You can follow me at Chris Herbie Holland, C-H-R-I-S-H-E-R-B-I-E-H-O-L-L-A-N-D uh, slash Easto. I'm on Instagram, you know, get at me. And you can follow me, Air Jordan, at Air Jordan underscore official, which is spelled H E I R Jordan. Yeah, yeah, right. Y'all making me feel bad now. Now I feel like <laughs> I got to spell it out. I'm like, okay, at R O B Y N H O O D music, M U S I C, on Twitter, on Instagram, and also on uh, TikTok. Okay, yeah, cool. Let them like, know. Let them know. Spell I didn't want right. my spell degrees right. to fail me. I was trying spell to make sure right. my spelling was. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, I'm playing. I'm playing. Uh, I like it. I like it. See, you you got to make sure you spell it out right because you know it's too much too much going on the social. You got to have an official this, official that. So you got to make sure it's right. <laughs> All right. So you know this black girl nurse. I'm a, I'm gonna end this out with a nerd question for everybody. I'm gonna go go around here. So if you guys could create like a theme song, a score for any like superhero, it could be just like a supernatural entity or something that you guys are into. What would it be? Like what like what hero would you choose? Or you can do a villain. Mm. I was uh, about to uh, say you you. I was gonna say I'm me, thinking I'll Storm. Probably, I'll probably say like Batman. Okay. I feel like I could make something in the Gotham room, and I um, mm. I like that dark. I like the score of the Dark Knight too. Mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. sampled something from it, so I, I would go with that, man. Nice, <laughs> For some man. reason, my mind is, my imagination is saying Galactus. Um, Ooh. The, uh, <laughs> the, the villain in Fantastic Four, who is actually mm-hmm. the hero of worlds, I would love to make oh, yeah. an intro soundtrack to him. That sounds like some Kanye West, Maximilian, my dark twist, yeah. mm-hmm. type stuff. So that's what mm-hmm. I'll be I like that. Hmm, let me see. Um, I mean, I think I'm a little more silly with it. Like, I think I would want to do something for like, it's so funny, I was on the plane and I was just scrolling through like what I could watch and Fraggle Rocks uh, came on. <laughs> and I think I would want to make some jamming type of Afro slash reggae slash nice, yeah. hip hop, you know, and, and just try to bring it all in. And you got different instruments playing and singers and, you know, you rappers. Um, Fraggle Hop. Yeah, it's something, you know, yeah. Fraggle Hop. And I actually, I, I wrote, you know, um, I had actually wrote something about, you know, after I, I saw that. Like, I was on a plane now, so I was like, oh, this is hilarious. And I just started writing bars, you know. And it's just, it's just like, that's how it comes. The process comes out of life, you know. It mm-hmm. comes out of life. It comes out of living. And we're out here just trying to, you know, live our best right now, do our best, contribute the best that we have. So, Yeah. Well, I hope people follow the process because it is so hard to go after your dreams and not give up and keep the hustle going because there's so many people that want to say no. So we appreciate you guys. Keep it going. East O, Air Jordan, Robin Hood, a.k.a. Dre, because you know I got to throw the shot back in there. (laughs) (laughs) 
I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thank you. Thank you so much, sis. Be blessed. Thank Peace. You. Thank you. TTP. Blessings. Yeah, TTP. Hi, everybody. I'm talking to the co-writers, Shay Obana and Julian Higgins, about their compelling new film, God's Country, which stars Tandaway Newton. And I have to say, I saw it at Sundance. And it's amazing. Can't wait for y'all to see it. It's great to see both of you gentlemen. How are you doing? Good. Very good. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, it's a real treat. Yes. Well, Black, Black Girl Nerds is so excited to have you on the podcast this week. I, I wanted to get to the very nitty gritty of, of how this all began. Shay, how did you and Julian meet first? Well, we both went to um, the American Film Institute uh, here in Los Angeles together, but we went two different years. Julian was a second year. I was a first year. So um, we've said this before, we were familiar with each other. I was particularly, specifically familiar with his work. His thesis film was um, one of my uh, favorite films, uh, my favorite film that I had seen of all the uh, second year thesis films when I was there. And I just remember like um, watching it and being, um, and finding and finding it very compelling and just feeling like this isn't a student film this is a movie this is something i would pay money to see and i loved it, it was a movie that felt felt very much like high concept in terms of like its approach um or what it was taught in terms of the storytelling but the approach was very much sophisticated and had like an art house type of a feel to it which is like the type of um i think that's my approach um that i like to take uh to uh you know film um, and so I was familiar with Julian and um, I we had like a couple of conversations. We had at least one conversation <clears throat> while we were at AFI, but we didn't officially like meet me until like about like five years later, uh, five or six years later at a um, screening of another film I was involved with. Uh, he came out for cast and crew screening um, and we we ultimately ended up talking and um, we we said this before we were both. It was right on the heels of the 2016 election. And we were both very disillusioned by the results of that. And um, we were just talking, we were both like charged as well. And we were like, how do we make our art, our activism? And that was kind of like the first, the thesis of that conversation um, that sparked more conversations that ultimately uh, led us to not only wanting to work together, but uh, deciding to work together on this project. Cool. What's your favorite aspect of working with Julian? Hmm, that's a, man. That's a good one. Um, the ease of it. Um, it's a, we have a very easy collaboration. Um, the fact that I, we're both very talented um, and have a high belief in what we do, um, but we kind of check, leave our egos at the door um, when we work together. Um, and just the, yeah, and I, I think we're both like eternal students of of the art form. And we, we just, we just, we love, you know, this, this podcast is called Black Girl Nerds. And we're like, I think we're nerds about this. We're constantly wanting to like learn. Um, we're open to learning and, and to be challenged um, and and to get better. Um, so, yeah. I'm, and there's others, but that's just off the top of my head. Those are things <laughs> to, to my head when in terms of uh, working with Julian. <clears throat> that sounds pretty good to me. Julian, <laughs> I'm giving you the same question. What What's... Um your favorite aspect of, of, of working and writing with Shay? 
I mean, I've had a, a number of collaborations with writers over the years. Um, and I'd say with Shay, like it felt like um it is true, it was the ease, you know, like, but I really think that's that that stems from the fact that it is an ego-free uh zone when we're together. And that is, I think I feel like um that's extremely rare. And uh it involves uh feeling a sense of safety, you know, mm -hmm. where like we're just trying to figure out what the movie needs and it doesn't matter whose idea anything is or um you know we're I, someone asked us recently whether we if we ever had disagreements or like what were some of the big arguments we had while working together and I really genuinely can't think of I I, I know we had a lot of moments when we were trying to figure stuff out obviously but it was never a contest you know and and then on top of that like I think, um, and I agree with Shay's analysis of everything he said about our collaboration, but, <clears throat> you know, Shay and Shay is a feminist to his core, you know, and so am I. <laughs> and we, we are both uh, raised by incredibly strong, uh, independent, um, intelligent women. And that I think is why, I mean, for, on my part, that is why I do this and then do it in the way I do this. And um, when he and I had our conversation, we had this very important conversation at the screening he was talking about um, at the screening for his film. And, uh, you know, it was December of 2016. And we kind of very quickly in this after party scenario, really, I felt so strongly that we were just on the same page about so many things. And in ways that we only subsequently found out, like, he and I are both only children, you know, like things like that, that you kind of your your subconscious knows way before you do and i just think i think um the process was so long but it was so smooth with us and i think it's because we just we're just so much on the same page about what we're trying to do as artists and as people i love that it's such a it shows in the work as well um god country is an adaptation of a short story uh called winterlight by james lee burke Shay, what was for you the biggest challenge or what were some of the challenges of converting a short story into a film? And Julian, I'll ask you the same question next. I just want to start with Shay. Well, I mean, for me, um, when it comes to storytelling, I like to come in with too much story or too much material and then shrink it down. You know what I mean? And like pull out what um, feel what I feel is works the best or what's the most compelling or what the story is demanding. And that's why I don't adapt. I'm not a big adapter. I haven't adapted a lot in my in my, my past as a writer because it's kind of like the opposite of, um, well, at least with short stories, it's kind of like the opposite of what I like to do. I kind of like, I'm more of an original uh, minor storyteller. And with this particular project, it was, you're adding, there was like bones and you're adding a lot of flesh and um, organs to it. Um, so for me, that was the challenge of just like, how do we expand, um, what Jim, what Jim is talking about in the heart of that short story. And obviously like one of the biggest things for me um, when we when we decided to do this was obviously changing the main character, which originally was, we had decided, and I'm probably jumping ahead here. Originally we were gonna change the main character to a man, um, a black man, I'm sorry, a black man. He was a, he's a white man in the short story. We were gonna change him to a black man of the same age. And then obviously it really, when we decided to change the character to a middle-aged black woman, then it truly spoke to me for obvious reasons. 
Um, so that was the kind of like the genesis. And once you do that, then you can like literally that character making some of the same decisions that the main character made um, in the short story just changes. It's just like he she makes those same decisions, but it changes um, just the chemistry and the tone of that particular of the story. So for me, that was the big thing. And so, yeah, again, that was the challenge was like, OK, we have to add more. We have to add put more meat on his bone. But that, that was like kind of like the engine for me. Cause I just got to find an engine and the engine for me was, was, was the change of the character. Mm. Julian. Yeah. And obviously when you make that change, you know, it's very in vogue right now, I think to take an existing piece of material and just flip the race and gender of the main character. Um, and I think a lot of times the problem there is that all of the subtext and the context and the underlying mythologies and the meaning of it and the implications of that stay the same. And that's a big problem because you, you know it, it that just kind of uh undoes the whole exercise so for us it was like okay like for example in the story in the original short story one of the hunters says to the protagonist i heard about you and that the meaning of that sentence changes completely when it's no longer roger gidry the retired old white guy <laughs> and it's you know uh sandra gidry our 40 something protagonist you know everything about that changes. So we had to kind of ripple that through the story. And it started, honestly, it started with six, six months or so of just mm -hmm. us talking about, uh, you know, what we wanted to bring to the story, both from our personal lives and from, you know, like the issues that we wanted to explore. Um, we had to kind of go through everything together before we could ever start to figure out how to begin the adaptation. Um, and, you know, there's there's whole characters and storylines in the movie that don't exist in the short story. And that's kind of to be expected. But the idea was that it all came from this this idea that we had to really try to represent the intersectionality of all of these things we wanted to talk about. Because I think the other thing was there's a lot of um, work that is trying to talk about race in a vacuum or talk about sexism in a vacuum or whatever. But we really wanted to represent how all these factors and aspects of American life are related. And that was another reason why we decided to change the nature of the main character, because it gave us the window to be able to talk about all these things. And moving it from New England to Montana, right? To oh. the Mon or where, you know, it's you funny that the, the short story actually doesn't say where it's set. Um, I'm oh. from New Hampshire originally, okay. uh, which I think is what you might be thinking of. But um, okay. but when we got to know James Lee Burke, it was pretty clear that he's writing about his own backyard and he lives in uh, Montana. Mm -hmm. uh, ah. But but the but deciding to shoot in Montana was very much based in the story because um, when you go there, it's uh, you know I mean if you're going to tell us as, as Shay likes to call it a fish out of water story about this black woman in this uh this very you know uh overwhelmingly white landscape and it's, it's literally and uh racially white you know this is a winter story uh you know it, there's a it, and the movie's not explicitly set in montana either to be honest but um this kind of mythical landscape of the american west is part of what we wanted to you know uh disassemble and and uh examine yeah to me, if I was just in Colorado and the times I was with 700 black women uh, at, at the YMCA doing doing this whole women's retreat. 
And there I felt safe. But whenever we stepped off of the of that place, I I actually was thinking for in some moments, not that anything happened, but your film gives me a different frame of reference and actually a different sense of power and empowerment when I was on that <laughs> in those situations. Not that I, and I'm not going to give any spoilers, but I just felt like another sense of empowerment of don't mess with me. <laughs> so I have to thank y'all for that. <laughs> and once you see the film, y'all, you'll, you'll understand, definitely. Um, Julian, what, how did the write, writing the script challenge you most? Well, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, for your listening audience, I am a, a white guy, <laughs> as white as they come, <laughs> and uh, pretty much translucent. And, uh, um, you know, I think it's an awesome responsibility to uh, take on our particular adaptation of this story for me, for sure. And, and obviously both of us are men as well. So we had a lot of work to do and we knew that, you know, and I think we were very interested in doing that work. And I mean, I know we were, you know, we, we, uh, we wanted to make a movie that would not be easily dismissed. And so that meant we had our work cut out for us to make sure that it felt authentic, no matter who's watching it, you know? And by the way, like, um, it may not work for some people, you know, like I, I totally understand, like movies are fair game for criticism. And, uh, you know, I just want to convey right now that we approached it with a huge sense of responsibility. And, and you know, frankly, um, uh, it made the script so much better to take on that responsibility. It was not a hardship, you know what I mean? <laughs> like we, we were sharing the script as we went along. I mean, we, Shay and I worked on the script for about a year and a half before we ever tried to make it. And it was purely a passion project for us. But it was also, um, you know, something we were sharing as often as possible, because I think, you know, you you want to know as soon as possible where the problem areas are. You don't want to keep it hidden until it's perfect or something, you know. Uh, so we were getting a lot of feedback all the way through. And um, and that turned out to be extremely helpful for us. Uh, we, we had shown it to uh, some you know, black women who lived rurally to give us some idea of, you know, whether it was um, landing or not. Um, as far as the challenges go like that, I think was the thing that I was thinking about the most. But, you know, the other part of it is like, we live in such a polarized uh, media consumption environment. And I do think people have gotten a little fatigued with very topical films coming out all the time and feeling like they have to almost, uh, you know, align themselves with the movies before they've even seen them, you know, out of solidarity or out of whatever. So what we wanted to do was more challenging than that. Like we really wanted the movie to challenge the audience, especially I will say, you know, the sort of comfortable white and maybe even liberal audience, you know, uh, those are the people we really wanted to unsettle. And um, so I was very concerned that I thought I was pretty confident <laughs> that our movie would afflict the comfortable, but I definitely did not uh, want to, uh, you know, um, have it be uncomfortable for people who, you know, see themselves in this character. Uh, so that's why your review, for example, meant so much to me to read. Oh, well, it's, it's interesting too, because it's thank you. And it's a great film, but it's also got elements of horror to it of any any if you take away the social issues 
mm-hmm. just having complete, uh, you know, having a woman in this situation where uh, people who are stronger with her, than her conventionally and have more, more of the power and it's their place can really come, come for her. So I, as I watched it, I felt like I was watching a horror film and in all the best ways, in so many different ways, not, not in the, the genre, the new kind of black, um, horror film porn that's out there now where everyone's doing this black people who are victimized get it's not like that it's it's this other kind of like she macgyvers her way <laughs> through a lot of stuff and it just 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 keeps oh i don't want to give away stuff so well i mean the, the, <laughs> the, the fact that you're mentioning horror is relevant because you know we certainly did not want to re-traumatize our you know black viewers <laughs> but it is like i i we were wrote it i'm shaking talk more about this obviously but um we wrote it as a western but when i when the task came along for me to actually direct it i was thinking much more of it as a psychological horror so it's very astute of you to notice that jay any thoughts on that um, you mean just on what Julian just said, or like your original question? Yeah, um, either, 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 or both. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely. We definitely thought of it as a as a western. I mean, it's like it has a lot of western elements to it. But yeah, psychological horror was definitely psychological horror was definitely like a part of of even what I was thinking of as we were working on it. But like, obviously, approaching it from a very like I'm not a big horror movie person, but this, the 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 horror movies that do get to me feel very grounded. Yeah. Um, and very psychological. And I think that was something we wanted to like uh, explore uh, and specifically with this character. Cause like, let's be frank. I mean, there aren't a lot of movies out in mainstream that have been done about like what it feels like to be a black person to live and move rurally in this country. For a lot of us, that is very much like a horror film. It is very much like the opening of Get Out where it's just like, I've been to places in, in this country I just feel uncomfortable. Like, you know, and you're dreading it, like when you're going and then you get there and you're like, I mean, I'm talking like rural Ohio or Utah, you know what I mean? And before we went to Montana, I was nervous and I got there and I, I felt um, a lot more comfortable than I thought I would, but I haven't honestly seen um, anything in the mainstream cinema or television that explored really what that's like and not make it, like you said, like this trauma porn, but actually like explore what it is at its core to be, um, a person of color and specifically a black person in like the flyover stage of the mountain West, a place where like, literally you don't see us. We are alien. Um, and I, and I, it was something we definitely like was a part of the DNA of this film. And I, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and to answer your first question about what was challenging, um, for me, it was just, it was literally that like being able to like, Hey, we talked about making our art or activism. So you want to make, you want to make an activist film, but I'm not trying to be didactic or preachy. You know what I mean? And so like, how do I do that? How do I like write characters like these hunters that meet that generally could be um, dismissed as very like singular and very like racist or, you know, just like easily like, Oh, you know, and make these people feel like multidimensional human beings. And so for me, that was the challenge. And the first thing I had to do in order to do that was to go to Montana to go to a, an environment that was would be foreign to me because I'm about to write I I owe it to this to that place to write it honestly and so I had to go and visit it and meet Jim and and breathe the air and 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 feel the landscape 
you know what I'm so I can write it and in, in, in a way that felt honest at least for me from my perspective so that was the challenge I, I was I was I'm not gonna lie, I was nervous before we did I was like man I hope I can like actually as a person who's lived I mean I, I'm, I'm mostly lived urban in urban areas but it's been like in the south like in Texas and Georgia well if you go like 30 miles you know outside of Atlanta it's a whole different ball game or in Texas if you go to West Texas it's a whole different ball game so like I felt like I had I had a feeling I knew like about the 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 moving rurally I knew about that feeling but can I like write about this area and make it feel honest especially when we're going into these hunters lives you know that it's not just you know um that we're not reducing them to caricatures so that was like the challenge for me and I, and I felt like um obviously I think the proof is in the pudding you see it on screen I think I think we achieved in my opinion what what we wanted to do and I think I it's think because oh sorry no go ahead I'm gonna say I think Shay and I really challenged each other because obviously we're coming from different experiences and different perspectives but we really challenged ourselves and each other to not settle for something that was too easy you know like throughout the whole process it was trying to make trying to we're trying to capture a very complex set of dynamics that are all relating to each other in this country and making it um work the way it does or maybe not work uh and like you know uh the fact that we were working together i found um like i i felt like i expanded as a person a lot working with shay you know i i he he um deepened my understanding of of uh my own country um and, ex and experience and i i hope that we that was a two-way street <laughs> but uh you know i think we a lot of the choices we made we would we just didn't settle for settle on them you know we would make a choice and then we keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing and some of these scenes have been rewritten dozens and dozens and dozens of times and we would sometimes sit around and haggle about individual lines of dialogue for hours you know and, and change uh one word you know um and I'm, that sounds like a story but i'm really not exaggerating i do remember <laughs> those conversations uh and then of course when you get the actors and you get to the place and you know then you turn it over to them and like they have their own uh you know personalities and experiences that they're bringing to the table and um you know it just i think over the course of the project it, get, it kept getting deeper and deeper the more we you know welcomed uh people into the process yeah it you, you it's such a rich film and it it's I'm sure on the festival circuit that it sparked a lot of conversation. What say do you hope kind of conversations do you think hope that this film will spark in in the community once once it's out in the world next week? Well, I mean, I've already had a couple of conversations when we were in um I think it was Traverse City um after the film um an older white gentleman came up to me and was just like, just in so many words said he found a lot of what uh, the character did and the character being Sandra, very challenging to him. And he asked me straight up, like, he was like, does that make me racist? And I'm like, well, first, it's not my place to tell you that. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not here to tell you whether you're racist or not. That's not- my, You're not the not, racist police. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just like, I, like and that happens, it's like sometimes people want to know. And if you gotta ask, that's a, that's another question, by the right way. That you have to ask me that you know, maybe you need to do the work. But second, like I was I was just like, but I did I did have a conversation that I probably wouldn't normally get a chance to have with with somebody like that, which was like, 
about unconscious bias and just essentially like saying like, it was important for us that this character in this movie make some of the same decisions that you see, that you've seen Clint make, that you've seen John Wayne make and all of these icons of, 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 of white masculinity specifically in the Western genre make and be celebrated for as American and masculine as a man, you know? And when this black woman who's just as strong as you makes those same decisions, all of a sudden you got a problem with it. So that's what I, that was the conversation for me. It was just like, what does that say about your experience and your perspective? And I, I just thought like the fact that you're coming up and having this conversation with me is, is good. And the fact that you're open about it, that's great. And I'm hoping like this film, cause I mean, let's be frank, like, like Julian said, we made it to make people uncomfortable and specifically white liberals and, 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 and a certain group uncomfortable. I think there's one group that for the most part we'll see it and be like, mm-hmm, told you, you know what I mean? And there's another group that's, that's like literally that, you know, I don't want to give away, give anything away, but there's, there's a, there's a moment in the film where she's looking directly in that camera. She's looking at you and it's about time that somebody looked at you and like asked you a question and, 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 and posed the question to you and made you do the work of introspection. It's not my job to make, to make you, I mean, we can have a conversation, but at the end of the day, you got to do the work of introspection. And I think that's what we're trying to do. And if I have one of those conversations, um, that's great. And then the other conversation I'm really enjoying having, and I've had this conversation with you, Janine, and then I'm gonna shut up because I'm running my mouth now, is conversations that I've had with, with, with black women, and women of color, but specifically black women who, who've said like, thank you, which is weird for me to like, like hear thank you, you know, from, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, thank you for like, for, for raising me and making me who I am and getting me to this place. But like conversations with black women saying, thank you for, for like, for showing us, um, depicting us in a, in a, in a, in a, in a human light. Like they just finally having a character that they felt was connective, you know, and I don't want to say Sandra is like, you know, the vanguard of black women on film, but I just, I know going into it, that was something that was very important to me and Julian of just like writing this woman as a, as a woman, that's, that's, that's a human multidimensional person that could have, that could be angry and, and, and feel pain and love and grief and could follow some dudes into a town and ask questions, you know? So like, that was, so when I hear, when I'm having those conversations, that's just as important, not more important to me. So that's, that's what I'm hoping like, in terms of conversations from this film is to like is, is to is to to like hopefully that we did our job in in depicting this character um that we're adding to the conversation and the legacy of depicting um women of color and black women in a, in, a, in a way that is that is um real and authentic and um and beautiful yeah my hand is on my heart and a thank you because in my opinion, you have. I can't wait to see this film on September 16th, Friday. I will be there. First showing. <laughs> Before I see another film that starts on the same day, I want to see God's Country. Mm -hmm. My last question, Julian, and I am going to ask you as well, Shay, what right now is bringing you the most joy, Julian? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, it has been a very emotional time leading up to the release because, um, 
you know, there's a lot of screenings that happen and a lot of press and a lot of things that, you know, are, that we, we sort of go through this, uh, run this gamut of trying to get the word out about the movie before it comes out. And so we, but we are having a lot of opportunity to finally see, like sit with audiences and actually see how they're responding. And like, you know, it, another thing that happens when, you know, publicity is going on like this is you see the people you made the movie with who sometimes you don't see for a while because they live in other places or whatever. And it has just made me consistently uh, teary uh, <laughs> to, you know, actually have a chance after the incredible five and a half years of trying to get this project up and running and, you know, and made. And we didn't even talk about getting interrupted by the pandemic in the middle of the shoot. So like, it really has been a, uh, quite an odyssey to get here. And we there were many moments where we didn't think the movie would get finished at all mm -hmm. and uh and and yet everyone who worked on it really and i really do mean everyone everyone was this is not a movie that you do for the money or because it's a good gig like this is a tough shoot we went to montana in the winter you know everyone who worked on this really wanted to, this story to get told and wanted to make sure it was told the best they could and so to actually have a chance to celebrate with those people that we we actually did make it to the finish line. And not only that, that the, the, the regular folks who see it, uh, it means something to them. That We didn't make this movie, um, you know, in a sort of navel gazing, will feel great kind of way. Like we did this to communicate about things we really care about to an audience that we hoped would engage with it. And they are. And that is giving me a tremendous sense of gratitude and accomplishment. Beautiful. How about you, Shay, what's bringing you the most joy right now? Similarly, echoing what Julian said, I mean, like, um, one of the reasons that I, well, I'm very fortunate. We're very fortunate to do what we love. And we happen to do something that that matters and, and contributes to culture, um, to, like, the world, you know what I mean? And, like, the fact that we can make something that could inspire people. I know it sounds, like, corny, but, like, this. It means a lot, but specifically to what Julian was saying, like, yeah, relationships are very important to me, just as important to me in this business is like status and money. Um, and the fact that, you know, me and this guy sitting, you know, in the other, you know, Zoom box, he, uh, we had a mandate, you know, we had a mandate. Um, and we stuck to it. And I'm talking not just, not just the story, but in terms of how we make this, we wanted to work with very smart, talented people. We wanted to be inclusionary in, in the way we made it, not just what we were making. And I think we achieved that across the board. And some of the people that have been involved with this who are our partners in this have become like family. Like Julian is like my creative brother. And Floor, who's a production designer, is my creative sister. And Andrew Wheeler, who's a cinematographer, that's my creative brother. And to be able to, to go and make something that was very personal to us and, and for all of us to like be involved. And, and, and Tandy Way is my creative sister. Like we all put our invested in this creatively. And we, 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 these people are like family to me now, you know, creatively and personally to me. And to be, to get on a stage when I'm the opportunity, when I have the opportunity to get on stage with everyone, or when I meet these people, when I see Yoris, who plays one of the hunters, who plays Samuel, uh, the older hunter, when I see him, you know what I mean? I, I see him like once, you know, a couple of years or something and, I, and we hug and we get emotional, you know what I mean? Because 
we're very fortunate to do this and do what we love and to be and to and to want to like actually make an impact. So, like I said, I'm again running my mouth again. Me and this guy in front of you made a mandate, and we birthed this thing. You know what I mean? And and to see it like a, it's like our child. It's this this movie is just as old as my own personal child, which is crazy. And so and release it upon the world and just kind of like and, and, and see and just let it just let it live and let it be. It's just been like a phenomenal experience. And I'm sure I'll have other great experiences in life, but this will this will always be up there. This will always be a, a bucket list kind of important uh, thing for me. So, again, like echoing Julian's sentiments, it is for me just as much about the people that have kind of been on this journey with us and kind of like all seeing it come to fruition. Well, gentlemen, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Black Girl Nerds thanks you. And we can't wait to see the response for God's Country as it opens on Friday, September 16th in theaters all across the nation. Congratulations, gentlemen, and thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, thank you so much for, uh, for not just uh, this conversation, but for your work in general. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax and Ryan Bennett. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify.